subject of effective prayer. Effective prayer. We don't want to pray if it's not going to work. Why would we waste our time with a prayer that didn't work? Why would God tell us to pray if it wouldn't work? That wouldn't make any sense either, would it? So obviously there is a prayer and there are ways to pray that work. And that's what we are looking at, the various and different kinds of prayer. Tonight I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. We're going to take a little journey in a different direction tonight than where we were. Last time we were talking about prayer assignments. And you know, in James chapter 5, we know that there is a prayer that makes tremendous power available. We also know from James chapter 5 that there is a prayer that will save the sick so that the Lord will raise them up. There is a prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. There are various kinds of prayers that do various kinds of things. Tonight I want to talk about effective prayer in the area of the will of God. Finding the will of God for your life. If you're not dead, which of course you're here so you're not, then that means that it's important for you to know the will of God. Regardless of how old you are or what you have already gotten done or what you haven't done, each day gives us the opportunity to pursue the will of God. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I don't know if we'll finish tonight. If not, we'll, we'll continue next week with it. But we're going to talk about prayer and the will of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to do so, probably a number of hands would go up in here that, that you are seeking God about his will in some area of your life might be about your job, your money. It might be about your uh, uh, connection with somebody. Maybe you, you're looking for a spouse or whatever. Uh, it might be about uh, whether or not to take a particular job or to go in a certain pathway for your education. It could be any number of things. And one of the most important things that you can ever do is to find and then follow the will of God. It's the most important thing as far as your choices for life goes, as far as whether or not you're going to be successful. I know that we talk about a lot of times, uh, we talk about the word success. It, it, it's very significant to us. It's a very powerful part of Christianity. And there are various areas that God wants us to be successful in. But uh, you will not have general and overall success in your life if you're not in the will of God. Amen. Things just will not be the same. They will not go as well. God will obviously try to bless you as much as he can because he loves you. But the best way to receive the most of God's blessing in your life is to know and then to pursue his will for your life. So in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, here Paul writes and says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that ye may prove, make sure of, know without a doubt what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I want you to notice in this particular passage that presenting our bodies 
and renewing our minds are part of the process of finding the will of God for our lives. Finding God's will is not just a satisfying of our curiosity. If you want to find the will of God because you're curious and you want to find the will of God so that you can then make a determination of whether or not you do the will of God, you're not going to find it because that's not how it comes. God doesn't give you his picture and then you determine whether or not you're going to commit to God. I mean, I know that people actually do that at times, but in the process of finding the will of God, the fastest way, the best way to do so is to commit to whatever the will of God is before it's even revealed to you. And that brings in what we sometimes call the prayer of consecration or the prayer of dedication. We are consecrating and dedicating ourselves to the will of God. And you know, Jesus prayed this way in the 26th chapter of Matthew and the 42nd verse when he made this statement. Now, you've heard this kind of statement probably many times. Christians refer to this. And a lot of times it's brought up out of context. It's brought up not in the right light. People misuse this scripture for sure. But in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 42, Jesus, of course, is praying. It says, He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And so many, many times people think that this must be the ending to every prayer. That if you're going to be a pious and good Christian, if you're going to really please the Lord, then you always need to pray, Lord, if it's your will. And so they tack that on to all kinds of praying. Lord, would you heal so-and-so? Heal my baby, if it's your will. Would you heal me, if it's your will? Would you please meet this need that I have, if it's your will? And they think they're being pious. They think they're being humble. But the fact is, that's not proper. The only place this kind of phraseology is proper in prayer is when we are committing to the will of God. Jesus did not in the flesh and in his mind, he was not looking forward to going to the cross. It wasn't something that was going to be easy. It was not something that was going to be pleasurable. It was going to be torment. It was horrible. And he was going on our behalf. He was doing this because we deserve this punishment. He had done nothing to deserve it. He went totally and completely as our substitute. And this was not an easy decision to take. And it was not an easy act to carry out. And so he was looking for help from the Lord and in this pro from the Father. And in this process, he was letting the Father know, whatever is your will is what I'll do. I would like for this cup to pass. I would like for things to be different. But if this is the only way, if it has to be, then not my will, but thine be done. That's consecration to the will of God. Now, we're not called to be the Savior of the world. We couldn't be. If we tried. But we are called to be a part of the body of Christ. Every one of us has a specific 
call and a specific plan for our lives. God knew we would be on the earth. He knew we'd be here now. He knew what we were, would be capable of. And he knew what he wanted us to do and what he wanted us to fulfill. And that perfect will of God, remember Romans 12 and verse number 3, uses three words, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And there are those who say, well, it's all one and the same. And then there are those who say, well, there is a good will of God. There is a basic threshold, we might say. There are things that are acceptable. They may not necessarily be God's best. And in, in that uh, scenario, we would point out the fact that Israel wanted a king, and that was not the perfect or highest or best will of God, but he allowed it. It was acceptable to him. And so we see merit in that argument for sure. But, uh, and then, of course, the perfect will of God, the complete, the mature, the uh, ultimate, we might say, that is the goal that every one of us should be striving for. Because that's the place of the greatest usefulness in the kingdom, and that's also the place of the greatest level of blessing and increase upon our lives. And so if you want the best that God has for you, in every area of your life, then you must be willing to make the consecration and make the commitment to God that you will do His will no matter what it may be. And it's not always the great big things that you're going to be asked to do. God looks for obedience even in the little things. A lot of times I think people think, well, I would do the big things. If I have to do that, I'll do this or that or the other thing. And then they stumble along kind of through life and just do what they do. And they really don't take the time to seek the Lord about even some uh, lesser things, we would say. Smaller things, we'd call them. And, uh, and, and you can cumulatively kind of miss God on a lot of things. And you can end up way far off course. Let me give you an example. You love the world, you want to do something in the Great Commission, you want to touch the world you're in. But are you listening to God about how to be the wife or the husband or the parent or the employee that God has called you to be right where you are? It's easy to talk about going into all the world when you really don't plan to go. But it's quite another thing to go back to your little world and be Jesus there to whomever is in that house with you. And that may not sound like much, but it is a big deal to God. If we want to move on to greater things, we have to start with the lesser things. So one of the keys is consecrating our bodies and renewing our minds. And, and just reading Romans 12, 1 and 2 in that light begins to give us a great insight as to why so many people don't know the will of God for their life. Because we, we must present our bodies to God. We've got to know that they are the temples of the living God. We have to live a sanctified life. We can't allow our bodies to rule us. We can't allow our bodies to just do anything they want to do. We've got to present them wholly to God. And then our minds, we can't just feed on the junk of the world. We've got to, on purpose, on purpose, renew our minds to think the thoughts of God. You can't 
Think like God thinks if you're thinking like the world is thinking. If the media, whether it's uh, traditional media, television, network TV, whatever, uh, legacy media it's called, or whether it's modern day social media and internet stuff, no matter, either way, if that's what's shaping your thoughts, if that's where you're getting all your information and that's where your attitudes and your ideas are springing from, and you're not spending time in the Word, and you're not allowing God to change your thinking to align with His Word, then you will never really ever find the perfect will of God for your life. You see, because what happens when we don't renew our mind is we miss the general will of God because the Word of God is the will of God. That's the general will of God. Now, I can't go to the Bible and it tell me when to buy a car or what house to buy. I can't go to the Bible and, and uh, it's going to tell me exactly what to do with my money week by week, day by day. But, uh, but it does tell me what to do with my life in a general way. There are things it says to do, things it says not to do. And so if we're going to find the will of God for those specifics like who to marry, where to live, what to do with your money, what career path to choose, and all of that. If we're going to hear God in those specifics, we've first got to be willing to do the general will of God. So there is a general will of God, and there is a specific will of God. And so for one, the general will, we use the word. That's where it comes from. For the specific will of God, for us individually, we would, we would seek that through divine guidance, being led by the Holy Spirit. And then there is the forever will of God and the immediate will of God. You say the forever will of God, what does that mean? That means any principle of the word that will never change. Amen. There are things about God, there are things about the kingdom that will never ever change. They're forever the will of God. Worship is one of those things. Praise is one of those things. Giving and receiving, seed time and harvest. Those are things that are the forever will of God. Now, what about the immediate will of God? What about right now? What am I supposed to sow right now? Or what am I supposed to do about any given situation? And sometimes I would call this having a red light or a green light. You know, there may be things that the Lord would lead you to do, but there might come a time when he wants you to change and do something else or do something differently. So there is the forever will and the immediate will. So we want to know, what do you want me to do right now, Lord? What is it I'm supposed to be doing now? Because that's the most important thing. You're not, you're not out there 20 years out yet. You're here today. And so what am I supposed to do today? And then the next aspect is the will of God that's for everybody and then the will of God that's personal for me. The universal will of God and the specific will of God. You see, there's some things that it's the will of God for everybody. I think about uh, the book of Hebrews. This is a very good pastor scripture. And forsake not the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some is. In other words, we need to be regularly meeting with other believers. We need to go to church. That's biblical. So that is uh, universal for the entire body of Christ. But then the specific will of God would be, where do I go to church? Where does God want me? Where do I belong? Where is my home church? And a lot of people don't even think about being led to the Lord in some of these issues. They make career choices. 
They make education choices. They make church choices. They even make marriage choices based simply on what they want or what they think they want or what they think they need. They make it totally out of their head, never out of their heart. And that's why so many people are missing God. But that's not what you and I are going to do. Can you say amen? We're going to find the specific will of God for our lives. We're going to find the immediate will of God, what He wants us to do right now. And we're going to find His personal will for me. Now, don't expect that everybody else will have your assignment. Just like we talked about prayer assignments last time and said not everybody's going to maybe have your assignment. Not everybody's going to be as stirred up about something, certain things as you might be because if you're assigned by God in an area of prayer, it becomes very real to you and the more you feed that fire, the bigger it grows and the hotter it burns. But also about the will of God in general, not everybody is going to do the same thing. So I can't expect everybody to live the lifestyle of a pastor. You can't expect everybody to, to order their lives and all their priorities exactly like you do in your particular life. If you're following the will of God even, that may be the will of God for you, but it might not be the will of God for me to do it the same way. Now the universal will of God, that's for everybody. It's, it's never right to, to kill. It's never right to steal. It's, you know, there are certain things we know that, that are universal for us all. But I'm talking about the specific will of God. You have a call. And so, uh, depending on what that call is, there might be a need for help. You might be called to do something that's bigger than you. I, I referred to pastoring a while ago. Any pastor is in that boat. I can't do all this by myself. Thank God I don't have to try to do it by myself. As Glenna said earlier, we appreciate all the people that God connects to us and connects to this ministry because we could not do what's being done by ourselves. Now, uh, uh, so what that means is that uh, we all have a part to play. So don't expect everybody to have your assignment, though. Not everybody maybe will keep your schedule. Not everybody will have the same uh, priorities in every area that you might have. But we find the will of God for our lives and walk it out. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to go, if you will, to the book of Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 7. Because there's an interesting aspect about the will of God that uh, I think sometimes people have wondered about, you know, why is it this way? Why does God do this? Does, is God playing tricks with us? Is God, you know, just playing games with us? Well, the answer, of course, is no. But it does seem sometimes that, that uh, dealing in this area of the will of God becomes an issue uh, that maybe sometimes we think, why couldn't God make it a little easier? You know... Well, why couldn't it be just a little bit more clear? I mean, why do I need to seek the Lord? Why would I need to pray about it? Why, why don't it just kind of just be out there like a, you know, like a big screen TV thing? It's right there in your face. Well, look in, in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 7. Hopefully we'll give some answer to that question. I don't have all the answers. But um, I want to uh, look at verse 6 and 7. I'm sorry, verse 6 and 7. It says, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for. Notice it's not from. But he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. God is not hiding things from you. But he sometimes does hide things 
for you. Amen. There's a key hidden on my property. And if, if, I, if you needed to get in my house and you called me, I could tell you where it is hidden for you to get. But I'm not going to tell you tonight because you might break in my house and steal all my stuff and, you know, backslide and go crazy. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. But you understand that's the concept. Why do we do that? Why didn't I tell all my neighbors where it is? Why didn't I run an ad in the paper? Why didn't I put a commercial on television? Because it's not for everybody. And the will of God for your life specifically is for you. And it's laid up for you. And one of the major players that it is hidden from is the devil. You might think sometimes that he knows way more than he really does. Now he's intelligent. I must give him credit. He's cunning. He's wily. But he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He listens carefully because when you speak, when I speak, that's our spirit talking. You know, I don't see you. I just see the house you're living in tonight. But if you speak, I can hear you. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the devil carefully listens to the words that people are saying. And in observing humans for six millenniums, he has learned a lot of things about human nature. As I say, he's pretty smart. And so, you know, he takes gambles. Every temptation, you know, is a gamble with the devil. He doesn't know if you're going to yield or not. He doesn't know if you're going to fold or not. He just tries. You and I make the choice. Let's surprise him next time. What do you say? <laughs> Let's have him scratching his head saying, man, I thought I'd get him on that. But he doesn't know everything. And the thing, one major thing he does not know is the full and complete plan of God for your life. Now, there are things that happen along the way that give us insight. For instance, again, I'll just use this illustration because it's one I can relate to. Let's say someone receives and they are truly called to ministry and they accept that call and they acknowledge it. Well, then the devil knows they're called to ministry. And so there's a whole set of tricks and and uh, things that he's going to try to do to stop them and keep them from fulfilling the call of God on their life. But he doesn't know everything about that ministry. He doesn't know everything about your life personally. He doesn't know everything. But God has laid up sound wisdom for us. Now, when you think about laying something up, usually, you know, especially parents or grandparents, you think about putting something up where they, the kids can't reach it. You've laid it up for them. Well, in a sense, that's what God has done. He's laid things up for us. And when we get mature enough till we are able to reach in and take it, then it's available. And in the spiritual life, that's not just growing taller. That's not just a physical growth. That's even not a seniority. There are people who have been born again for 40 years and they're still a baby. There are people who have been saved for three years. 
And they're quite mature because they've really dug in and sought after the things of God. And they've presented their bodies as living sacrifices. And they've renewed their minds to the things of God. So it's not a seniority issue and it's not a physical growth issue. It's a spiritual maturity issue. And the way we really get to that place to reach up on the shelf, as it were, and take out those things that are uh, uh, up until that time perhaps a mystery, what we do is... We renew our minds to the written word of God, to the universal will of God, and then we pray out the specifics. We pray these things out. And so there are a number of scriptures in your Bible that you can read, and you might want to write some of them down, especially if you're in a time right now of truly seeking God about direction, and you've got a major decision or decisions to make, and uh, you, you might want to write those down and keep them where you pray every morning, and just keep them before your eyes and, tr- and return them to the Lord and remind Him of what He said about the fact that my sheep hear my voice, and as many as are led by the Spirit, the, uh, many as are the sons of, led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God, those kinds of things. You might want to just keep reminding yourself of them and bringing them before the Lord. And once you've prayed all you know how to pray in English, it's going to sound very familiar. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. But once you've prayed all you know in your known language, then you pray in tongues. One of, of the primary ministers in the full gospel world who probably affected my life and ministry more than any other man of God in my generation, in my time, was Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And I was just listening to Brother Hagin. Glenn and I were listening to him just the other day, and he was talking. Uh, you know, it's an old tape because Brother Hagin's been with the Lord for about 19 years. And so it was an old recording, but he was talking about how that uh, everything that he was doing in ministry at that time, and at that time his ministry, of course, was going around the world. Never went to a seminary. Was not a doctor. He had some. They gave him an honorary doctorate one time, but but he, he had no earned doctorates. He was not a seminary graduate. He he was not, um, you know, highly educated. He was not a linguist. But a ministry that went around the world and touched and is still touching millions of people, particularly through uh, his messages that were transcribed and put into print. And so he was addressing that, how that happened. And his simple answer was that he prayed that out. And he mentioned, and, and, and the reference was, so that you would understand primarily praying in other tongues. Praying in other tongues. Now, we were just a couple of weeks ago visiting with Pastor Charles and, and uh, Miss Sue Cowan in Nashville, Tennessee. Brother Charles was a charter class president of Rhema Bible Training Center. He was in the first class. In those days, it was only one year. And he was the, charter, uh, the president of that charter class. And so he and Brother Hagin were pretty close in their relationship. He knew him quite well. And um, he told me the story several years ago, how that he asked Brother Hagin about it, how that all this just, you know, how did this come about? And he said, Brother Hagin told him, he said, well, Charles, I guess I just prayed myself into it. Now that doesn't sound very technical. That doesn't sound very complicated. That doesn't sound dramatic. 
But that's what happened. And you too can pray yourself into the perfect will of God. It'll take time. That's the thing that's the real hang-up in the modern world we're in today. This issue of time. Because you're not going to be able to do this with a few Shondai, Rondai, tie my bow ties while you're going through the McDonald's line. You're going to have to crack down on it and you're going to have to develop with the Holy Ghost will help you, of course. It's not something we make up. But you're going to have to allow the Holy Ghost to develop the prayer language that he's given you. And spend much time praying in the Holy Ghost. Whatever it takes to get you in that realm of the Spirit where you know you're flowing in the Holy Ghost. And if, you, if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Whatever atmosphere that takes, you need that atmosphere. Amen. If it's, if it's certain types of music, if it's loud or soft, no music, if it's kneeling, if it's sitting in a recliner, if it's lying on the bed, and, uh, you know, if it's, or if it's in the, on the floor prostrate before the Lord with your nose in the carpet, whatever it takes for you to get over into that realm, that's where you will pray and make spiritual progress toward the will of God. And that's when you'll know things. And you won't have any way in the world to explain how you know it, except you just know, and it's because the Holy Ghost has revealed it to you. And can you imagine, and I don't want you, please don't raise your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I'm guilty myself. But can we, we just think about the things that we would have missed, the problems we would have avoided, maybe the money that we would not have lost, or the mess we'd have avoided completely had we just prayed enough to know the will of God. Not go down that road. Not enter into that relationship. Not put our money into that particular vehicle. Whatever it may be. You can pray yourself into the will of God. And when you pray, and here's what I've got to close with tonight. Because this is very important. This is as much a part of the message as anything I've said to you heretofore. So don't throw this part away. You need to know that when you pray yourself into the will of God, you are going to pray yourself into action. That went over really big. (laughs) You need to know that when you pray yourself into the will of God, you're going to pray yourself into action. It's more than just God moving. It's more than God doing. And it's more than God just giving me something. Now there's a place... And a time for all three of those things. To pray for the move of God. And there's a place and a time for pray, to pray for God to do some things. Things we cannot do. And then there's a place and a time for God to give things. And to believe that we receive. There are prayers for those three areas. But this area is an area where we're praying to know what God wants us to do. And let me remind you, this is not praying that God will tell you what somebody else is supposed to do. Isn't it amazing how good people are at knowing what you're supposed to do? Or what their spouse ought to do, or what their in-laws ought to do, or what their kids ought to do, or what their neighbors ought to do, or what the people, you know, that they work with ought to do. I mean, it's amazing. But this is not what this prayer is about. 
If you really want answers, it's about what God wants you to do. And if you really want to know, you've got to make the commitment, the consecration, the dedication, spirit, soul, and body that you're willing to do whatever he says. I would be very cautious about announcing that I don't know the will of God because in essence what somebody is saying at that point is saying either I haven't prayed enough or I haven't committed my body or I haven't committed my mind to the things of God enough to know what he wants me to do. Not that, you know, I mean, I've been there, so I've been in there in all those places, so it's not like that it's the uh, end of the world, but you don't want to stay there. So if you've got some real issue that you must make decisions about and you're not getting any direction from God, you need to go back and check, am I really committed totally, spirit, soul, and body, to do whatever he tells me? Or am I holding out trying to somehow coerce God, which is a joke, of course, but am I trying to coerce God into giving me my way? Because, you know, human nature wants it my way. But that's not what this is about. Taking action on God's will is the simple definition of faith. Faith is not just believing and faith is not just confessing. Those are, those are essentials, so don't misunderstand me. But faith is taking action on the will of God. Amen. So I just wanted to leave you with that tonight because it's very important. We're getting ready to enter the last month of this year. Tomorrow is the first day of December. It's generally one of the busiest seasons that most of us are involved with. It's certainly a very busy season for church. It's probably going to be quite busy for you and your family. There are probably trips planned and schedules that you're looking at and all the juggling of, the, of that that has to go on. But can I just implore you as your pastor, I ask you to give serious consideration to spending time seeking the will of God that 2023 begins with you knowing his will and committed to it because that'll make 2023 to be the best year of your life ever the Lord stirred us a few weeks ago and I made the statement you'll hear more about it especially as we go through December and into the early part of January that 2023 year 2023 will be a year of breakthroughs and blessings and I believe that I'm looking forward to that. Hallelujah. How many are looking forward? Breakthroughs and blessings. Hallelujah. We're going to pray ourselves into some new places. We're going to pray ourselves into some new situations. Places we've never been before. Places, we, things we've never experienced before. We're going to meet some people we've never met before in 2023. We're going to see the hand of God in some ways we've not seen before when 2023 comes. And I believe that the Lord will bless us as we continue to commit to his will and purpose. That he'll continue to pour out and shower those blessings upon us. Hallelujah. I think it'd be a good thing if we'd just stand up and praise him for that now. You know the areas of your own personal life that are needed so badly. Let's just thank him in advance for breakthroughs and blessings. Hallelujah.
Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We lift our voices to the Lord and give Him thanks for breakthroughs and blessings. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, one of the things that you will find as you truly, honestly seek the Lord is that you will probably... Uh, from time to time, I'm not saying everybody will have this happen in the next three weeks. I'm not saying that. But from time to time, you will find that the Lord will reveal things that need to be adjusted in attitudes, expectations, and even in relationships. Don't let a mere human being keep you from God's perfect will. You don't have to be mean to people. You don't have to be unkind. You don't have to really say much. But sometimes you have to disconnect to move to the next place. Sometimes you have to make some changes in your priorities, changes in your schedule, changes in the way you do things. And the reason, well, I mean, this is going to sound so elementary, but it needs to be said. But one reason that this is so is because if you keep doing the same thing you've been doing, you're going to keep having the same thing you're having. And unless you're already perfected, and unless you've got more blessing than you know what to do with, unless you can say, I'm in the perfect will of God, and there's nothing else that I can even think of ever that I would need to do toward that, then we might want to make some adjustments. So, Father God, tonight I pray that you'd give us insight, direction, and guidance. I know you love us, Lord. And you love us enough to tell us the truth. You love us enough to correct us when we need correction. You love us enough to show us your perfect will. And I give you thanks, and I I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Don't let anyone disturb your peace. Peace is the umpire. The word says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. If you want to know a very simple way to gauge if something you're involved with or someone you're involved with or a situation you're looking at and facing, if it's, if it's something from God or not, just look at the peace gauge on the inside of you. Do I have peace? You can have peace even looking at impossibilities. You can have peace when nobody else believes it's possible for you to have whatever it is you're believing for. It's not about what other people think or say. It's about what you think and what you say and what you know in your heart. Let peace be the umpire. You know, in a baseball game, the umpire, he's, he's the boss. He's the final word. Team has their manager, and that's important. They have all their players on the roster. That's important. The fans in the stands, they can help influence things, you know, by their response. All that's important. But there's one guy behind the plate that decides if it's a ball or a strike, if you're safe or if you're out the umpire and that's what peace is in your life peace is the umpire amen thank you lord thank